This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Episode 12, Jeremy Roenick joining us. And Uh, inside this podcast, you're going to hear about Connor McDavid's 600 points, maybe some Hockey Hall of Fame talk. Why... Why does the big rig fight Zdeno Chara right off the face-off? What the hell is going on there? And uh, how long does it take for a number one overall pick defenseman, JR, to pan out and become a difference maker on a team? We'll talk about that because I have one in particular on my mind. You could probably think about it. But, uh, but what was funny, though, JR, about what we just said, and I know you got something to say about the weather, Craig does, but – you like you know I just said to Jeremy before we we turned on the uh, on the pod here, ladies and gentlemen. I said, I said here's what we're gonna here's what we're thinking we'll discuss today, Jr. And you're like I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. I want to know. Surprise me. And it's, it, what's amazing about that, and I just told you this was a minute before that. Craig was like, Petey, I don't even know what we're talking about here. <laughs> I mean, like I need a little preparation. And 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 I don't know if you liked my analogy, Listen, Jr. But I, I said, hold on, no, no, no. I said to Craig, I said, Craig, if I'm inviting you over for dinner with a bunch of guests, do you need a rundown of what we're going to discuss at dinner? It's in order no, to feel I would, comfortable. I, I would. What I would we're going to discuss at dinner, or what we're going to have for dinner? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm going to tell you right now. I want to know what you're making me for dinner because if I don't like it, I'm not coming. So figure it out, Peter. Me too. Me too. Well, the show is the dinner. So you already like yeah. the dinner. The, the, what's the conversation at dinner is what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, listen, there's two totally different things, right? Two totally important things. Listen, yeah, I sit there, sure. we want to have a little preparation, right? We're in this together. It's the, it, you know, and I ask you these questions, you're like, Riff, got it all taken care of. Got it all written down. Don't worry about it. Just be ready. I'm like, ready for what? What are we talking about? I don't know, but I got it written down and everything's good. Listen, this is what I found in, in television. What, your first thought to a question usually is your best answer. And probably maybe the most controversial answer and sometimes the most debated answer. So when you sit there and think about it, your answer gets less dramatic. So I would rather just have you <laughs> ask me and I'm going to tell you what, what, what I'm thinking. I know, but here's the thing about guys like because us, Because that's JR. crazy what goes on in there because if you, if you pull it out right away, it can get hairy. I'm telling yeah. you. Well, and that's that's kind of what I was going to say was that's dangerous for guys like us, all of us. If we shoot from the hip, who knows? Who knows what uh, you know how people are going to receive yeah, who what knows? we say. Here's my here's here's my response to that. <laughs> Craig wasn't looking. That that was a middle finger for those of you just catching this on audio. Well, that's great, but and I love it. So so at least now you guys are a little bit prepared as to what we're going to talk about. But when Jr. popped on the Zoom, Riv, you said. What's going on? He said kind of a gloomy day or whatever. And you said you had something to talk about on that with San Jose. You know, he was talking about um, San Diego and, you know, in the morning you're, it's, it's pretty early there, right? JR. Yeah. It's it's six 30. There's a Marine layer. It looks like it's going to be a bad day, but it's really not going to be the case. But it burns off by, I'm not kidding you by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And it's completely blue skies. It's like groundhog day every day. Perfect. But every when when we played in San Jose, I remember driving 
to the rink every single day from where I lived. It was about 30, 30 to 40 minutes. And every single morning was the same thing. It had that the clouds and it was kind of gloomy and gray. Yeah. And you had that feeling like it was warm, but it was still had some cool to it. And that was because we were right on the ocean. And I didn't realize that, that all the clouds came in. And by, by the time we hit 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you would go outside and it was not a cloud Perfect. in the sky. It was amazing. Well, you know, down here in San Diego, we, we, we live in, in one of eight microclimates in the world. So it literally is a microclimate, which it never really goes below 55 and doesn't really go too high above 80 or 85 right here in this little nook. And we get maybe three days of rain a year. So it's like the perfect weather that you can possibly find all over the world. Actually, the town that is right next to me called Rancho Santa Fe was rated and is documented as having the best climate in the world. So pretty happy about that. So it's going to be wow. a nice day today, fellas. Got to be expensive this, to live in. It's going to Got to be expensive just, to live I, in Rancho Santa I, Fe. I just, I just bought a condo. Holy shiitakes, man. I got to do it, though. <laughs> even, though I don't, even though I don't like the taxes and, and you know, the, uh, the politics driving me fucking crazy. No, no, I bought a condo that I'm going to live in and rent when I'm not here. So okay. it's, a, it's a good investment. I have a question before we get into get into the the modern day hockey talk. When you guys are playing like in San Jose or JR when you were in Arizona, did you guys drive like pretty like sweet cars? Like everybody here in Buffalo had an SUV, Escalade, Range Rover, Lexus, you know, whatever, Expedition. I think River, I think River wore, drove a truck everywhere, if I remember correctly. River, you drove a truck. Well, I had a, I had a white uh, I had one of those white Escalade pickups which uh mm-hmm. which was pretty cool it was a nice truck and i also uh i also had my 1969 uh camaro remember the red uh, convertible sick yeah yeah sick. That would was you take that car. to the rink riv yeah really sick car yeah sick car I, what a, PD, uh, i'm not kidding when i say this the weather in san jose was like a dream you know i came obviously i played all my years in montreal where it was about slush and cold and yeah. winter tires and you know the scrapers and everything else and you go down there and it was like groundhog day it yeah. was like you would get your car washed to get dust off it not dirt <laughs> and and it, and again it was one of those times where you you look forward to getting up every morning because you knew you could wear flip flops to practice it was great yeah. i mean, i got i got to tell you a story about cars so I've always kind of been a Mercedes guy. I did have a Bentley when I played in LA. I had a Porsche when I played in Phoenix, but mostly Mercedes and then an Escalade. But there was one time in Philly, my wife has horses. So we bought a Peterbilt, a big ass Peterbilt like truck, like a pull an 18 wheeler. And uh, this thing had a big cab in the back and the thing was just nuts, beautiful, all white. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm bringing my son to the game, to the rink for practice. I'm going to bring the Peterbilt to practice. Like a rig? Is come, this a rig? I, it's a rig, like a big <laughs> rig. And I hauled this thing into practice. I came through the gates, and the guys are walking in. I'm like, <laughs> and this big old horn. And I parked it right in the middle of the of the uh, of Does the it go parking lot. When you pump oh, yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you put the, yeah, when you push the thing, and it goes, and the thing goes, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it was a big 
rig and I took that to practice every did, once in a while. It just horrified everybody. It was great. Did you have to have a special wow. license for that? Yeah, you did. You have to, what's it? Uh, yeah. C, yeah. C something license. I don't know yeah. what it's called. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what Well, it's Jay called. McKee had something like that here in Buffalo, did he not? Okay, so I was actually just going to mention that, but he had an international CXT, it was called. And it was, he said it was something like two kilograms lighter than a rig. Like one of the things you're, so you didn't have to have a special license in this. License, right, right. You got to look at this, this truck, okay? It is, his nickname is the cheese for a reason. And this is the cheese, it's like a Mack truck. This was like a big Mack truck, but it had four doors it had the, 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 the part yeah. in the back, it, like it went up, like it yeah. had a, like a dumpster in the back type thing. And it had like the, the beeping noise when you went reverse. I mean, it was yeah. hilarious you know, to you drive know, around. The amazing it. thing too is I remember when I got traded to Buffalo, I started to, I, I came to Buffalo to, to, to practice with the guys and, you know, Jay McKee cheese was out there and the one day he showed up, which I was kind of like, you, you know, you, you kind of, you can, you can kind of figure out what, a guy's all about with the kind of car he drives sometimes, sometimes, right? And one day, the first day, I remember Cheese pulling up in the transport truck. It, it literally like was a transport truck. And I, I, I had my hockey equipment. I watched him pull in. I watched him park it. I watched him get out with his hockey bag and walk in. And I was like, what the hell is that, <laughs> right? The funny thing is, the next day he pulled up in a Ferrari 360 Medina Spider, right? <laughs> red, uh, red Ferrari. I'm like, what is going on? I, I can't. Okay, get this I, I, I gotta tell you, I got, I gotta tell you the best. You know, you know how sometimes you guys would, you go to games and maybe Riv, you'd go pick up Jumbo or somebody. You guys would go to, you know, the games together. And maybe the wives would come together so you could, so you could have, uh, you know, one car each for the ride home. Well, one day. I went to go pick up Brian Marchman in Chicago. Now, Brian Marchman's one of my very dearest friends and greatest friends on, on the planet. Him and I were so close in Chicago. And I figured I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to surprise Mush with our trip down to the arena because it was my turn to pick him up. So I said, okay, what am I going to, what, what, what car am I going to take? And I'm looking in the garage. I have two cars. I have a truck, a Mercedes truck, and then a, a regular Mercedes. And I said, hmm, I look to the right and I see my Harley there. So I'm like, yep, it's a beautiful spring day. Pick up the Harley, back it out, spark her up with the suit on, put the glasses, rumble over to Mush's house. And Mush comes out like, what are you doing? I said, it's time to go to the game. He goes, I ain't getting on that thing. I'm like, yes, you are. Get on back, big boy. And he's like, no, man, I'm not getting on. I'm like, well, this is the ride today. This is the ride. We're taking, we're taking the Harley. And the back seat was like this big, right? And Mush is a big guy. I'm like, jump on. And Mush is like, I hate you for life. And he jumped on with his suit and he grabbed me around here. And he hung on for dear life. You guys we're went driving. to a game on a motorcycle together? So we drove down the Eisenhower, which is about 20 miles to the, to the stadium, to the old stadium. And Mush is on the back of me holding on. <laughs> I used to see the looks that we got from all the people in the cars as we're going back. And Mush is holding on for dear life on a little Harley seat in the back. Do you guys have helmets he on? Like, he played like shit that night. I think his ass hurt so bad. Or he was scared to death of being on the back of it. He said he's never felt so in, in unmanly in his life than holding on to me in the back of Harley. Did it you guys great. have helmets on? Mm -mm. 
No. 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 That's McKee's no, truck. Oh, that wow. Was, that's that was That was his everyday car that he would drive around in. We went to Toronto with my brother and our buddy, Mike. So, Bur- mine, so mine, mine valeted was, mine was, at the hotel. <laughs> he valeted this yeah. thing at the hotel. Mine was almost twice the size of that. Almost twice the size. Peterbilt. It was wow. massive. You gotta show us. You gotta show us a picture. Um, all right. <clears throat> well, you didn't tell me though. You had a. You had a. Uh, your your sports cars. Your Porsche and your Bentley were they convertibles that you would take to the rink? No, I hate convertibles. I, I ne- I've never was a convertible guy. Really? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I just would have. I just would have thought. I, uh, last thing I'll say about cars. I always you know, love. You know, what, you know what drives me crazy about people that own convertibles is when they drive them with their windows up. Why on earth would you put your fucking windows up if you have a convertible? I saw someone doing that the other day. It was a nice day here. They were driving. It was, well, it I, I drive by them. I'm like this. I'm, I'm like this when I drive by. Loser. Put your. Well, you know, just those like I see people. Just like, those, just, like, just, like, just like when I see somebody wearing a mask in a car by themselves. I do that. <laughs> yeah. Or those same people, and I hope I'm not offending you guys, that have the stick figure families on the back of their vans or their big SUVs. You ever see those? They have the, <laughs> they have the mom, the dad. They have the, the two boys, the two girls, and the dog and the cat all in the back. I'm like, I don't give a shit about who's in that <laughs> truck or van. Like, what are you – what are we doing or, here? Or, or my, my child was an honor student at so, so <laughs> I don't give a shit. Way to go. Congratulations. Yeah. Or a, a caution, baby on board. Look, I'm still going to pass you with aggression. Okay. Like, like I hope that baby's buckled in anyway. Yeah. Those stick figure things. I see them all the time and I just kind of look at the people when I'm driving and I just, I, I have to see if there's a stereotype to them and there's yeah. not. It's that's just a personality thing. You know, I can understand sports stickers. Like, you know, a lot of people here have the bills or, or, you know, or, or the sabers and, and stuff like that. And I can understand that, but I, I, I really, I I had this conversation with my wife just the other day. We were talking about, you know, you drive by in this, you know, you got people that have stickers on their cars because their kid goes to a prep school here in town and, you know, it's a little, little expensive, you know? So it's like, it's just like, just don't understand why you have to put that on the back of your car. I heard a story about San Jose one time where you guys all had a team trip. And I think you both were on the same team. You're on the team together. And I don't want to name the players that didn't go, but I heard there were two players that were like, we're not going. So the whole one player, two players. <laughs> Do you guys know the trip I'm talking about? It was to Vegas. I think I heard there was I was on, team. I was on the team then. Yeah, I, I was on the team too. That that was the that was the situation. There's two players. There's two here. players. Yeah, there was two. And, both, and one, I need to tell Ford, you this: one, it wasn't the Ford, players. One, one to Ford, one to defenseman, and yep. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the players. It was the, it was the wives. It was the wives. It was the wives that said, "Oh no, you're not going to be." Yes, refused. The entire team was gone. I had three kids at the time. Jr. had kids. Mike Greer had kids. I mean, we were the old guys. We had we had responsibilities. Yeah. Curtis Brown, schools. Curtis Brown. Curtis, Curtis Brown, Brown, three kids. You know, Curtis Brown, the most religious guy on on the team, one of the nicest people on the planet, who yes. doesn't swear. With three little boys, he was yeah. going. There's two. Two players. Did, two, two what did, players okay, so forget about and the by players. The way, and by the and by the way, this is crazy because these are the bonding things, right? So we were going to go to the Super Bowl in February, right? And the GM says, "You know what? I'll even give you the plane." Okay, we said that's great, but everybody's got to go. If if one person doesn't go, the whole team doesn't go. Now we go on Saturday. The T game was on Sunday, so everybody would have fun on Saturday. Game on Sunday, we'd come back Monday, and we practice Tuesday and Wednesday to play Thursday. That was that was the deal. And 
everybody's excited to go that got squashed <laughs> because of two because of two wives. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. This Same two hard. wives of the Vegas trip these, too. These are the bonding things. These are the bonding things that 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 these teams need to go away. They come back, and the next thing you know, boom, they go on a just a streak because everybody is everybody's together. They're having fun, yeah. right? Th those are the bonding trips that are different than the normal trips that you go on. And we couldn't do it. Okay. Because of two guys. So what? What did that do to the team? Like, how pissed were you, Jr.? I could. Were, did you guys razz these guys the rest of the year, or or did you leave them alone? Was it how how does that play out? Because now it's twenty one against two. Okay, like I couldn't imagine being. Did those two guys get traded by chance? I mean, why wouldn't they have been shipped out the next day? You know, they were. I don't think they were treated any different. I think I think guys in that locker room in San Jose were very tight, like the tightest team I have ever been on by far, by far. And I think guys were not necessarily upset at the players in general. They were upset at the situation. They didn't treat the players any different. It was disappointing. There's, there was more disappointment at that point in time than anything. Um, you know, would have loved to do it, but you know, at the end of the day, we we were such a tight group. We moved on from it, and uh, there was no, there was absolutely, a, I think, no hard feelings. I think okay. obviously I, those guys probably I, those I guys know. got I, got a little oh, wait, got, got a little. What do you mean, uh, Jr.? You think there were, were there hard feelings? Uh, I think I think there was a lot of respect lost for for by a lot of them. No yeah. question. Yeah. Because um, hey, listen, this is my always family before team. Family before sports, okay? That's, you know, in, in certain situations. But not when your whole team is doing something together and there's everything is cool and kosher at the house. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's doing well. Everybody's happy. Um, that's a situation where, okay, let's do it. Then, then we go to the boys and we go to the team and we do what we have to do to, because that's our job. And that's our job to be a team. And when something gets in the way of that team unity, regardless of what it is, uh, especially when it's decided by somebody that's not on the team. Um, I think, I think there was a lot of respect or at least um, animosity towards somebody not standing up and saying, no, no, this is how it has to happen. I could absolutely understand that. That's a huge moment for a team to like, no NHL teams get that kind of leash. No, I've never heard of it before. When I heard that story, I'm thinking to myself that like there was, there were, I could never imagine Darcy Regeer never would have signed off on that. Lindy Ruff never problem, would have signed off on that. The, pro the problem is, 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 is one of the players had a, had a, had a letter on a sweater, which really makes things even more, more well, uh, upsetting. Well, we'll say no more. Uh, it's just, it's an interesting story, uh, but that all kind of got started in many different ways. We were talking about vaccinations and things like that with the Ottawa senators. Um, one thing I'll say, uh, you know, we keep talking about him. JR is Connor McDavid. Have, did you see the, awesome. he, he hit his 600 point the other night, but more importantly, did you, have you seen the stages in which he's done it? Yeah. So like, like, like the last hundred points came in 53 games. It's, um, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and even more so the fact this, to watch what Connor McDavid is doing and to see that he is second behind Drysidle is even more unbelievable, to tell you the truth. 31 points for Drysidle. McDavid's the second best player in the game right now, as far as I'm concerned. 
<laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> it's, by the way, the way Dry Saddle's playing right now, I'm, I would not disagree with you, Riv, 100%. I mean, this kid is on a tear. But this is, this is, this is the great thing about McDavid, right? You always know that he's going to have an impact. So when I was watching um, uh, a game, Edmonton, I think, was losing at home. And uh, they went to the – there's like five minutes left, and they were talking about uh, the game. And John Tortorella says, well, let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. This game's not over because Conor McDavid's going to have something to say about this soon. No more than a minute later, he scores that unbelievable goal a week and a half ago. Remember that unbelievable goal? He comes in and just embarrasses against the Rangers. Against against the Rangers, that's right. And they ended up beating the Rangers because McDavid just at the right time does heroic McDavid things that just bring people out of their seats. He's just absolutely spectacular. So greatest player of all time, maybe? Has he earned that? Is it is it getting there? I think he I, I think he is the most talented player ever, ever to put skates on. I think he's the most talented ever to put skates on. He does so it's not, it's not just crazy. his speed that gets it gets him to that that level. It's it's the skill that goes along with it, the finish, kind of the, the combination well, of it. He all. he does he does things he does things and thinks of things that nobody else thinks of, like where he stick handles, where he puts the puck, how he protects the puck, when he passes it, where he goes, what, how he picks up his speed. Um, his brain is so unbelievable, and he's yeah. putting up he he put up two points a game in the most talented time that the game has ever seen where goaltenders are big, strong, athletic, talented, um, defensemen are big, strong, good skating, talented forwards are big, fast, strong, talented back in the eighties and nineties, we had goaltenders. We had goaltenders that would not go down because they didn't want to stand back up again. Right, because they were so out of shape. Kick, they, they kick save. Goaltenders, yeah. Kick save. I mean, nothing against Gretz back in the eighties, but did you see the way defensemen skated back then? It was not. It wasn't like they skate now. You yeah. see how goaltenders played back then? It's not like I guess Grant Fear. Grant Fear used to take his stick, and he used to hit, try to hit the puck with a stick rather than go down to get it because he just didn't. Want to, yeah. have to get back up. This is going to be a debate until, I mean, the end of time. Who is the greatest player ever? And it's going to be Wayne Gretzky because Wayne Gretzky in his time, in his era, was something superhuman. He was doing things that were completely, completely yeah. off the chart. But what would is he the greatest hockey player? I know that. What would Conor McDavid do back then? Okay, but what I'm saying is – what would what would Wayne Gretzky do playing in the 40s? What would Wayne Gretzky do playing in the 50s? He'd have 350 just, points. My son just said, if we put Conor McDavid today in a game in 1984, he would get five, four, four or five points every game. Oh, my every God. He'd get more than that. He'd, get 10. <laughs> he'd have 1,000 he'd have sure. points a year. He'd have 1,000 points a year. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I, again, there's, it is there's no question. Rib, I don't, rib, I don't rib, believe rib. that he would even be in, you know, in the eighties and the seventies. And, and here's the thing. This is what we have to remember. We cannot take away from all of the greats. 
nope, that played back in that time because this is Connor McDavid. We're, we're, we're complementing the, the evolution of the game but is what we're doing. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, and and we, need to, we need to word this properly because Connor McDavid is the best player to ever don skates. There's no question about it. Okay, but Wayne Gretzky think, is the, I, I think, is the greatest on, player to ever play this game. Hold on, hold on. There's a difference between the best and most talented, okay? Because we've seen talent before, and we've seen people that can do the most unbelievable things on skates, yep. right? But maybe, and have all the tools, but they have no toolbox, right? No toolbox, yeah. like dumb as a stump. So it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not, we see players today in the game that can skate like the wind, shoot the puck harder than anybody, can hit, can do everything, but can't score a goal because they just don't, they don't do the right things to score a goal. This is not Connor McDavid. So there's a difference between the, the best and the most talented, I think. Gretz had it all, but Connor McDavid has it all plus speed, right? Plus the speed yes. and his agility. Yes. Gretz wasn't the fastest guy. And you know what? In you 2000, you, you Gretz, in, in, in 2050, in 2050, we're going to be talking about somebody else. We're I don't know. Be talking about, yes, we, yes, we will. Because you know what, Petey, I'm going to tell you this. In 2050, 30 years from now, they're going to try and figure out a way to make the ice better. Okay. Just, just little things. Think about it. So sticks have gotten better from the eighties to 2021. There is, I mean, you can skates are 10 times better. Everything's better, better, better equipment. That's even lighter than what was the, the, you know, the phone books. I don't don't know. I I don't know how you can get better than what they have right now. Unless you put little rock, unless you put little rocking ships on the the bottom of people's skates. But you know, what's going to happen is they're going to find ways to make the ice better for the 20 minutes that it's on the ice, the cooling yeah, system, something's going to happen. That's going to make the ice. Like when you step on it at the, at the By start the way, of the game. It's funny. You said that Riv, where's the best ice in all of the national hockey league. It used to be in Edmonton all the Edmonton. time. Edmonton. Edmonton. Exactly. And it's just unbelievable how the two top guys in the league are consistent because they get to play on the best ice. So Riv, that's really really i think they're they're going to do something in 30 years in 30 years they're they're gonna find a way to make the ice damn near perfect for the entire 20 minutes of a period they're going to they're going to connect remember that steel you know the steel that's on the blade well every year they're coming out with different steel different that you know that has a better glide it's going to make players faster. They're going to evolve this game just like the players are. Con McDavid and the players today, they're not like the players even 20 years ago. The players 20 years ago, I would say, were, were thicker, stronger. The players now, if you were to see players off the ice, they look skinny. And they they're look skinny. young. They look like they should be in high school. Yes. Back in the 80s, they looked like they should be in San Quentin. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. You go back and look at pictures from guys that were like 26 in like the 40s. They look like, like 40. They look they like they're like 55 years old. They look like yes. they're on the edge of retirement. Now we have Very kids, much. Now we have kids that look like they're in sophomores in high school. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy. You, I want you to finish the point you were gonna. You were saying about Gretzky. You said Gretzky about his skating and his speed or something about that. 
No, so I was gonna, I was going to say if you if you go back into the into the eighties, do you think Gretzky was the most talented player? Speed, agility, strength. No, I mean if, if there's an argument that you can say Messier was faster, Messier was stronger, Messier, you know, but what Gretz had, and I think Gretz will go down as the smartest player ever to play the game smartest and when you're smart you can do a whole shit ton of things better no matter how much talent you have wayne gretzky mario kind of the same same thing wayne brain was wayne will go down without question it's a debate whether he'll be the best player or most talented but in my opinion but again jr is the smartest smartest can you say that can you say that right now because when you look at the 80s and the 90s and watch one of those games on TV looks like they're skating in quicksand. Quicksand. I agree, but this is my point. So Connor McDavid has to make plays at a much faster pace, higher yeah. level, so is he like I mean That's, again, again, we're talking about we're talking about the brain. We're talking about the brain not being the most talented. Like so, what's what the Gretz, difference between I think, Mike Gartner, who was the fastest player of his time and scored seven hundred goals, and Connor McDavid? Oh, the, the stick handling. I think his. Um, I think his ability to see the ice. Mike Gartner. Mike Gartner was like this. Mike Gartner was a goal scorer that ha- that that skated in a in a tube, okay, and he scored goals because he went fast. He wasn't a guy that took the puck, opened up, looked for somebody to pass to, you know, made really good passes. Mike Gardner was a great player, but he was a straightaway player and he was a goal scorer. And that's what Mike Gardner did. He, what, he, Mike Gardner, I don't believe, made other people better. Mike Gardner was great and could score goals and could skate like the wind and you couldn't catch him. He was breakaway after breakaway. But when you talk about the entire game, like Gretz did, like Mario did, like Connor McDavid does, like Crosby does, they make everybody they play with, everybody they play with better. Everyone. What did you think? I don't know if you heard it or not. John Tortorella said on ESPN uh, last week that he thinks Connor McDavid needs to change his game in order to win in the playoffs. And to, by terms, by that he means you're not just going to fill the net in the playoffs. Like you have to play on the other side of the puck even more. It's, so. it's, 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 it's the Alex Ovechkin conversation we had, right? Alex Ovechkin didn't win a championship till he decided that he wanted, he had to play both sides of the puck. Now, I don't think Conor, I don't think Conor McDavid's a bad defensive player. I think he's a very good defensive player. Um, and I, I, I disagree, to tell you the truth. Because Connor McDavid has been the, the epitome of consistency in my books. He plays the same whether it's in the, you know, in every single game. And he hasn't had a chance really in the playoffs to show what he can do in the playoffs because his team doesn't fucking make it because they don't give him any support. This year, different story. <laughs> this year, this is the Edmonton team that we've been waiting to see and we've expected to see for a long time. I mean, even Ryan Nugent Hopkins is, is, is up there in points. Like, He's starting to chip in. Some guys are starting to play the way that they're supposed to play there in Edmonton, and their record shows it. I love it. 
I love it. Um, we have a discussion that we have here regularly about, uh, you know, the Sabres. And they have a defenseman in Rasmus Dahlin who's doing all right this year. Um, but I just, I mean, he just signed a three-year deal for $6 million per. And I'm not suggesting that you you have seen a ton of him or not. And that's not my question. But how long do Sabres fans need to wait for a number one defenseman, a generational talent, as they've called him, to actually blossom into that type of player? It's now year what, Riv? Four? Yeah, yeah. I don't think, it, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to be a very good defenseman in the league, but he's not going to be a star. He's not going to be a star. And you can just tell by the way that he plays. He's too inconsistent from game to game. I think he, I think he does things that he makes mistakes on the defensive side that uh, because he is, because he's an offensive minded defenseman and he does make mistakes. And I think when he makes mistakes, he really takes it very personal and then he tries harder and then makes more mistakes I, I think the kid's got uh, – I think he wants it. Uh, I think he's extremely good, but I don't think he's going to turn out to be the generational player ever um, that everybody thought he was going to be. Now, take, take, take this for consideration. Look at Kale McCarr in Colorado. Now, this kid, he was a star right from the beginning. I mean, he got in there, and he looked like, he looked like Paul Coffey – is that, is that right because he, he came into a team that was one of the top teams in the National Hockey League? He was supported by, you know, you know McKinnon, Rantanen, Langeskog. You know, you can, you can go on and on on that team. They were, they were strong offensively with, with top-end players. Do you not think that that makes a big difference? Like Rasmus Dahlin's come think, into yeah, this no, league. I think it- I think it makes a little, I, I think it definitely has an impact because Kale McCarr could come in and feel like he could take more chances. They could play more his style of game because he had the support. Uh, Darlene came in and it almost like it was like an onslaught of, of offense against them. Lose, lose, lose mentality, mentality, mentality. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to play, it's going to play dividends on somebody's mind. And I'm sure it has with Rasmus, but Rasmus does not have, the talent that a Kale McCarr has, right? He just doesn't. And, you know, it's, 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 it's really he doesn't weird. Move the same. He doesn't move the same. He's more elusive than he is fast. And that's, that's going to no, be it's interesting. Let's, let's think about, let's think about some of these first round picks. Some of these, some of these top picks, right? You have, you have uh, Kako who's playing so cocky. And I don't mean cocky as an ego. I mean, cocky as in shit. In with the Rangers, he's a second overall. You have Lafreniere right now. Again, same team. He's not doing shit in New York right now. And you talk about Darlene. Like there's, and even the number one pick, even Jack Hughes isn't panned out. Like it is, it's crazy to see some of these top picks that are underperforming right now. It's it's kind of frustrating if you ask me. Maybe it's. But, well, I don't. Obviously, we're not going to solve that problem today. But I just, I just think maybe it's time for for the league to look at an older draft age. You know, like uh, you know, the NFL brings players in. The reason why these guys can step in and all play right away in the first, second, and third rounds because they're all twenty three, twenty two, and they've yeah, all they have to go to college. They have to go to three college. years in college working on their bodies and training. Yeah. And you, you get know, the odd, the very odd guy that will come out of college as a freshman 
and play in in, in the NFL. Well, right at, at the twenty, they don't do they don't do what I did. That never happens. What I did anymore never happens. You never see never see a player come out of high school anymore. I mean NBA, it happens still every once in a while, and a very very rare football like guy. once a year, right, Jer? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in, in basketball, once a year, maybe twice. I, I I was watching the football games over the weekend, and you know where they, they have the players come on and announce the schools that they went on? I heard a couple that said high school that didn't even go, that were undrafted free agent signings. That's the only way you can go play football is if you're undrafted and you and you make a roster through a, um, a free agency signing. But in hockey, I think I was the last player, I believe, to come out of high school straight to the National Hockey League. Um, before it was uh, Tom Barrasso, it was Bobby Carpenter and Phil Housley. And I don't, I can't recall anybody else coming straight from high school. You came straight from high school? I don't even, th- right I up. knew you got drafted right out of high junior, school. Right I didn't know you actually, yeah. so you I, played? I, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't play, they didn't go to my senior year of high school. I went back to my junior year of high school. So did you play in the NHL before you played in the Q? Yeah, I played four games with the Hawks before I went to the queue. Yeah. So you literally came right out of high school. I, I, who was your first so, game against? So, who was so, who was your so so Tony Monty, who we know was was one of the best you know right wingers of all time. He scored 410, 14 goals. He was my right winger in high school. Like we crushed the prep school league in Boston. So we so I was center. He was my right winger. After my junior year. I went to turn pro and he went back to algebra class. Think of that. He, he, he was still in high school in algebra class taking history. And I went to go play pro. That's just amazing to me. Right. Because Tony Monty to me is like one of the best, one of the best right wingers ever to play to me. I mean, I, one of the best goals. Who's your first game against? Well, why, we'll, we'll wrap this up here. Who was your first game? New York Rangers. Rangers. Who'd they have in the lineup that you were you were you, were you shitting your pants? What what was going through your mind, or were you just so cocky that you're like, I'm gonna go? No, 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 man. I was 158 pounds, soaking wet. I had these big Donzi shoulder pads on that Mike Keenan put on me because I was so small. He wanted me to look big. I mean, I have stories from my first, you know, my first two weeks of being in Chicago that will, you know, they'll make your eyes flip behind your head. It's crazy. But I didn't I didn't score one point for the Hawks in four games and Keenan's like, you know what, we got to, we should probably send him down so we can play against some little higher competition. Cause I was coming from high school. So they sent me to the queue, right. To play in, in hall. And I just lit, lit the, the uh, Quebec league up on fire. I think I had 72 points in 26 games or something like that. 74 points in 26 games. And oh my uh, God. Yeah. And then I came back, I went to the world juniors in um in December, twenty eight games, thirty four goals, thirty six assists, seventy points. That's a that's a hundred and seventy point season, maybe in the queue. Hundred and sixty five point season. That would have lit it. Would have lit it up. And nine by, games, by way, played, nineteen points I, in the playoffs. You know, it's funny. I played twenty eight games, and I made at the end of the season, I made the first first team All Star team. I played 28 games that season. So wait a minute. You had wow. you played four games that year. Your first four games, you didn't have any points with the Hawks? Zero. Then you went back up and played 16. So you, so you had 18 points. You had nine goals, nine assists in your yeah. return. 
Yeah, when I went back in February, I went back on on uh, Valentine's Day, scored my first goal against Minnesota, and that's a whole story in itself. And then they kept me up there uh, for you know what they say, 16, 16 games or something, seventeen games, and yeah. Again, yeah. going back to the the original uh, conversation, question is, you know, should players be drafted? at what is it 18 or should they move it to 19 but if you're going to pick in the first round you can only pick a kid that's 18 that's what i would do your yeah, you first know, you know round like, you know what i like you know what i like Riv? is you know what they do in 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 the major junior is they give these special exemptions to special players right so I don't think it would be a bad thing to move the draft to eight to 19 or 20, let them develop a little bit more, let them get some, some, you know, let them play in junior a little bit longer. But if there's a generational player like a Conor McDavid, like a Sidney Crosby, you know, the guys that did get that special exemption to get drafted a year early to get yeah. in, yeah. that could be, that could be a situation at the at national hockey league. Adopts. I think that would be the smartest and greatest thing for everybody in the world as a, who's a hockey player is to be I able agree. to take that and I move agree. it back one year. I agree. 100%. That's Sega 94 JR right there. right there. That is Sega. Oh, Jesus. That's you can't Sega. use that guy. You cannot use that guy. <laughs> no, no, that, no guy, that guy, that guy, that, that, pumpkin, that pumpkin oh, pie yeah. haircut. That's, 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 that's my high school picture. That's my high school picture, baby. Right there. Yep. Yeah, look at that. that ball. Look at that. Look that. Yeah, there's a God. What a. I have good hair, and I. It's just changed a lot of that's, time. Over that's time. the Jr. I'm going to end this with this. I have that book in my possession. It was my brother's, and it was given to him for Christmas. It's called A Day in the Life of the National Hockey League, and they have. It's a picture book, and it shows all the pictures of guys traveling and at dinner and in hotels and doing ice yeah. and stuff. It's like hard knocks in picture style, but the whole league, right? And there's a picture of you. You got your leather jacket on. You got a backwards hat, the long hair, and you're sitting on the trainer table talking to Tony Amani. Shows a picture of you signing jerseys. And that was Sega 94 JR. I mean, big, big mullet, man. You big were mullet. a goddamn rock star, right? Eh? Mullet, yeah. Unfortunately, I acted like one, which is the problem. <laughs> no, no. No, it's amazing. We That's all got to have that edge, man. We all got to have that edge. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, it's one, it's one thing. It's one thing to walk the walk. It's another thing to talk the talk. But if you, if you talk the talk, you better fucking walk the walk. And I think, I think I did that. But, you know, unfortunately, too many people today uh, are holding things that I said or the way that I acted back then when probably gave them a lot more, um, uh, a lot more exposure. My favorite JR media. story was when so, you, you were healthy scratch somewhere and you went to dinner. And I, I just told that story. I just told that story last week. Last week I was up in Toronto and my buddy picked me up from the airport. <laughs> and, uh, and by the way, what a shit show trying to get into Toronto with all this COVID bullshit. But that's another story and it's all self. But um, my buddy picked me up. He says, where do you want to go for dinner? And you know where I said? I want to go to the keg. I haven't been to the keg since I went there in Vancouver. When I, I watched the Leafs Sabres <laughs> game at the keg at the keg the other night. I sat at the it bar a, and I had a ribeye. Listen, so the so the keg the keg owes me like a lot of free dinners because during the two thousand five two thousand six season, I gave them more publicity of free publicity 
of my dinner with Mike Hudson during the game. Now I'll just preface it for you. I, you know, I was playing in Phoenix. Gretzky was the coach. I was injured and I wanted to play that night. I was, I felt healthy to play that night in Vancouver. So I said to Gretz, you know, I want to play. So we go out for warmups, come off the ice. And, you know, the coach usually comes in and says, you know, you know, who scratched, you know, from warmup. And they said, I uh, come in and say, JR, you're scratched tonight. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, I wasn't like pissed. I was just disappointed. I know I've been hurt and stuff like that, but he, they, I got scratched for the game. So not thinking anything, I went, rode the bike, took a shower. And Mike Hudson, who was my teammate in Chicago, the guy that I lived with for four years, lived in Vancouver. So I text him. I said, are you at the game? And he goes, no, I'm actually at the keg down the street watching at the bar with a couple friends of mine. I said, I'm coming. So I get dressed and I leave the arena and I go to the keg and I'm sitting at the bar having dinner with Mike Hudson watching the game. And there's some donkey at the bar that tweets, Jeremy Roenick's at the bar, you know, with a beer watching the game, you know, and it goes all over. You knew that was going to happen, JR. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, like I'm not playing. I don't need to fucking be there. I'll get back and get on the bus and then we can leave. Well, this was, this was like not supposed to happen as the national hockey league says. Right. So I get the, so the National Hockey League calls the, the Coyotes. You can't have that. You know, players have to go into the into the press box to watch the game. You're not allowed to leave the arena. And I'm like, so I remember going into Gretz's office. Okay, so I go in, and this is a couple of days later, and Gretz is like, Jr. You know, I get it. I know. You know, I know you you didn't you didn't do anything wrong. You know, shoot, I've left games before when I wasn't playing, but it's a different time. And, you know, the league wants everybody up in the press box. You know, they, they want to they wanna come down hard on you, and we're going to have to suspend you for a couple games. I'm like, for what? He said, because you got to be up in the press box. I said, where does it say that, Gretz? Where does it say that? Where, where does it say you got to be in the press box? Show me. He goes, well, it's, it's kind of an unwritten rule. I said, you're going to fucking suspend me because of an unwritten rule? No, you're not. No, no. You want to see me explode? You want to see me go really fucking nuts? No. <laughs> I said, that's bullshit. So anyway, it was JR at the keg having dinner. JR misses two games, you know, because of suspension. It's such horse shit. I said, if you want a rule, write it down. If there's a rule, make it a rule. Don't give me this unwritten rule that so you did get suspended play. they didn't play me for two games whether it was they called it a suspension you know again the coyotes did the politically correct thing by not playing <laughs> me for two games you know fuck off they are dumb i was dumb i was playing in buffalo and i was regularly a healthy scratch and i i, and I accepted my role in the league and that was fine but the odd time there were guys that were out of the lineup whether it was due to injury or coach was unhappy with them that you'd end up sitting beside and they'd be pissed off. And I remember guys would regularly say, hey, you want to pull a JR? Head out of here, go for dinner. <laughs> it, was, it became, it, it be, it became you know, a yeah. thing. It would be like, you know, hey, the funny thing is, you want to pull a JR? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't condone my actions. I think I, I made a mistake. And I, I, now, now that I'm older and, and looking back on the situation, I was a healthy scratch in... Um, in, in Montreal, the year that I got traded to San Jose. And uh, at the time, um, 
I was actually playing quite well. Um, the night before we ended up, we ended up losing a game, I think to Detroit two to one. I scored the goal that night. I actually played, it was in Detroit and I played exceptionally well. Um, the next night, Saku Koivu, it's our ritual. He picks me up every game in his Bentley. Not a big deal. Great guy, by the way. And super guy. And we go to the rink and we're Bentley always in Montreal. That's practical. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the flying spur. So it was the big one. It was the long oh, one. Sorry. It was the flying spur. I sat in the back. But anyway, um, I, get, I get to the rink. It's the same thing, you know, Saku goes into the locker room where the, you know, grabs the sticks, lays them at his locker. I get undressed, you know, it's, we had our routine down to a, a science and we pass each other in the hallway after he's done his stuff. I'm done my stuff. And he comes to me, he goes, Hey, you need to go look at the board. I'm like, why? What's going on? He goes, just go, just go look at the board. So I go look at the board. My name's not on the board for the starting lineup that night. So I go in and Guy Carboneau go into his office and I just said, you know, what's going on? He goes, listen, we haven't been playing very well and I need to make a splash. He goes, there's only three ways to make a splash on this team. He goes, one is to sit Saku Koivu and he goes, I'm not sitting Saku Koivu because he's the captain of this team. He goes, number two is to sit Sheldon Surrey. And he goes, I'm not sitting Sheldon Surrey because he is leading defensemen in goals right now for the season. (laughs) He goes, third is you, Rivs. He goes, you've been an assistant captain here for years, highly respected, and I need to make a statement, and you're going to be the guy. And I looked at him like, fuck you. Right? Wow. And walked out of his office. Did you say I got that? My sh- yes. Okay. Absolutely. He's a little weasel. I don't have any respect for, for him at all as a coach. But anyway, I got in my car and I drove home. That's it. Watched the game. Got out of my suit. Put my feet up. Grabbed a cold, couple uh, cold cleansing loggers and uh, watched the game at home. How'd they do? They, um, be honest with you, I don't even remember. <laughs> don't remember passed out before the end of the game probably but uh <laughs> there was nothing said to me after that they they didn't uh they didn't say anything to me after that but you know listen so you, i mean so, so you so you didn't get sat out for two games because you i didn't get sat out for leaving and and you know you know so obviously you didn't know the rule either you didn't know the yeah, i didn't know the rule, rule. The unwritten rule, yeah. The unwritten rule only applies to, I guess, certain players, right, Jr. So, it's interesting that. How many times do you think? How many times do you think Gretz left the arena or didn't even come to the arena if he wasn't playing when he was playing? Well, how many games did he not play? Well, he was injured at certain times. I would like to know whether you know. I mean, Gretz is Gretz. I mean, yeah. He might have. He might have. He might have gone and signed some autographs somewhere else and didn't go to a game when he was hurt. I mean, I don't know. So I don't know. I just I, I just think it, it it was a crazy thing. By the way, I hey way way to throw some good some good dirt down saying how you don't respect Carbono as a coach. That was awesome. That was great. I didn't like him at all. I didn't great. like him at all. I didn't respect him at all. I didn't like the way he did things. He was uh, you know I had some really good coaches. I had uh, Jacques Demers who I really liked. I only great. had him for a very short period of time, and I was only twenty years old at the time. 
I had Mario Tremblay with the all-star team, uh, Steve Shutt and um, um, who's uh, the roadrunner. Uh, oh, man. Who's the roadrunner in Montreal? Yvonne Cornway. Yvonne Cornway, <laughs> yes. Is so, it really Yvonne Cornway? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so the, the whole group couldn't speak English. They talked our, our pregame our pregame talk was all in French. I'm not hey, kidding can, you when I say that. Can I ask that. you a question? Can I ask you a question? Was it Jacques Demers that came into the locker room the one time I heard this story? I think it was Jacques Demers. They came in, he was all pissed off about the team and what they were doing out off the ice and all that stuff. And in his French in his French accent, he goes, You guys, you guys think um, that uh, I, I know fuck nothing. But let me tell you. I know fuck all. <laughs> Come on. It wouldn't, it, listen, story, I mean. It's right in front of the team. He goes, ah, you guys, you guys think I know fuck nothing. But let me tell you, I know fuck all. <laughs> yeah. Was, oh, man. That was Jacques Demers, one of the greatest guys of all time, Jacques Demers. Yeah. Seriously, one of the greatest. But I love uh, that story. But just, but just to go over, go over my coach, Alan Vino. I had Alan Vino there. I oh, thought he was great. a really good coach. I thought uh, I Claude Julian I was outstanding. I love Claude Julian. Um, Michelle Terrian, which you either love Michelle Terrian or you hate him. I liked him. I liked him a lot. I, I, I think that he was, I liked my time with him. Um, I had Bob Ganey. Oof. That's another level. That's another level human being. So I, I mean, when he walks into the room, you just stiffen up. I mean, he has such respect. He was such a, an incredible, um, incredible presence. coach and yeah, presence. presence. And then, and then we, and then I get Guy. I think we all have, we all have that one. Coach I mean, it just didn't we for all me. Have that I, one coach. We all that and he one was a great player. Like you know, I, we, we watched Guy and I played against Guy, but um it, it wasn't it wasn't a fit for me in montreal so anyway yeah. last thing you're... one coach right we all yeah. have that one coach yep. it's awful and who yeah. was yours um like is it easy is it say no 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 keenan was my favorite was probably my favorite i mean he really? he turned me into the player that i, that I um um like you know this my concussions keep coming as my first coach that i had in phoenix um uh he came from juniors the junior coach um looking up right now see i uh, this 1996 97 coach first starts year with an h. yeah starts with an h um uh, uh see this is don how, this hey is how much I, don, don hey Hey, oh yeah, the legendary Western uh, WHL coach. Yeah, I heard a story that he wanted to trade me for like three good Canadian players, somebody told me. Like in my first first year, I mean, I don't know whether he has something against Americans, but uh, you know, somebody told me that, but Don was just, a, he, he had no presence. He, he always asked Keith Kachuk and Teppo Newman and what he should do, how we should coach. And so uh, he was just, he was just a- Don Hay was, uh, he, was a, he won all the- <laughs> He won all the junior. Memorial Cups. He's a Cups. junior coach. World right? Juniors, junior coach. World Juniors and yeah. Memorial Cups. A, I think he was. He's yeah. He's a he's a he's a he's an epic all star junior coach. And that's yeah, Rib, you're say. right. That's, they, that's I think he say. was he was in Kamloops with those big Kamloops teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like he should have stayed. He should have stayed in Kamloops because he <laughs> sucked in Phoenix. You know, it's hard to make a transition 
from, you know, certainly um, making it from junior hockey where you're dealing with basically kids, you know, you're dealing with 16, 17. The guy in Arizona right now is learning that the hard way. (laughs) Yeah, but he's over under on he's on also Arizona he was he here. was not uh, dealt a very good hand right jr i don't care who you are and what all-star coaching staff you have in phoenix i mean True. it is what it is so <laughs> it is what it is and it is bad <laughs> well i'll tell you right over now under, shane wright shane wright will be the well, new beginning me... in phoenix it's a good point it's a good point. We, I was having that conversation with, with my son the other day, and that, that could be very well true. They might get the next three. They, they're going to become the Edmonton Oilers of the, of the 2020s. Here's my they final get- prediction before we leave. Arizona wins the lottery. They trade that pick to Toronto, and they Absolutely. get Austin Matthews. Absolutely not. Okay. Well. Shane Wright, yeah, this kid this is kid, Shane Wright's an absolute. Well, then Austin Matthews player. ends up there in four years when his deal ends up. Then, but he's he's not. He'll be an Arizona Coyote. Maybe they got to get Maybe. they got to get a lot better in order for him to go there. They got to yeah. get a lot better than they are right now. But I give them I give them eight games over under on wins this year. Eight. Jr., you're the man. That, that might be the worst record in the history of the National Hockey League. Can we look that up for the next show? Because that will be a fun comp. Um, the worst record in the NHL. I'll look that history. up right now. What, no, was the, what was the record? Just like seven years ago, Colorado Avalanche had, what, 48 points that year? Yeah, and then they went to the playoffs the next year. It was the, yeah. the most amazing turnaround that's right. of all time. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think they had like 14 wins that year. You might yeah. 14. Or Here they are from 10 to 1. 93-94 Ottawa Senators, 14-61 and 9. 89-90 Quebec Nordiques. This is an order from 10 down to the to the worst. Uh 89-90 Nordiques, 12-61 and 7. I think that was go to the, the top. Game. Go to the bottom 3. Bottom 3. Bottom 3. Ottawa Senators, 92-93, 10-70 and 4. 92-93 San Jose Sharks, uh, 11-71 and 2. And the worst were the 74-75 Washington Capitals, 8-67 and 5. And I think I don't think Arizona's going to win. I don't think Arizona's going to win 8 games this year. I think that's going to be pushed. That is going to that's going to be the watch the watch of the year. Whether, what what is their record now? 1 and 14. 1 14 and 1. One thirteen and one. Oh, sorry. One thirteen and one. Yeah. And there's no end in sight. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's an end in sight for this episode, and and you know we you know what Jr. I'll say this: we wanted to try to keep it shorter today for you because you're so generous with your time, but the conversation is just always unbelievable. I, I, like, I, there's nowhere in the last hour that I could have just shut this thing down. It's just too, you guys shit. The, the, the hour seems like 20 minutes. I know. Like, I know. Bye, but if bye, we did bye. a, uh, one of those uh, fast forward videos, you could see the sun slowly kind of getting lighter in your background. It's so, coming. It's so. coming. And the haze is starting to burn out and it's almost golf time, baby. It's almost golf time. Enjoy your breakfast and your golf time. We love having you on. You've been great, great feedback too with you. And uh, we got Riv's audio all figured out this week. So really big turn of the show yesterday. Riv's oh, yeah. all sorted out. 
I love it. Great stuff, guys. Great stuff. Had a good day. Thanks, JR. Thanks, JR. Yeah, we'll we'll chat with you next week. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at The Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.